Light from Lantern presents. Knit a spell. I'm magical maker, Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I'm great, Katie. How are you? I'm doing really well, especially because this week we have a super special guest, and that guest is Anna Campos from Circle of Stitches! Yay! Yay! This is so awesome. <laughs> Let me tell you a little about Anna. Uh, she is a practicing witch, a tarot reader and teacher. She's a yarn dyer, knitwear designer, and owner of a local yarn store, which happens to sell magical items as well, called... <laughs> Circle of Stitches, located in Salem, Massachusetts. Welcome, 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 Anna! Thank you for having me and for the very warm welcome. All right. Yeah. Of course, um, of course, of all places, you're in Salem, Massachusetts. It's like the perfect location for this type of of place, right? Salem's pretty wonderful. (laughs) Everything's magical in Salem. Speaking of which, were you originally from Salem? How did you find your way to this? No, I'm actually originally from Brazil. Oh, That's why my name is Ana, not Anna. Um, (laughs) I was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And uh, when I was a teenager and I bought my first Lori Cabot book in a bookstore at the mall in Brazil. There was the picture of, you know, Lori looking all magical and wonderful on Mm. Essex street in her black robes. And I was like, I'm going to go there one day and I'm going to study with her. And, you know, (laughs) as you do, as you do as a teenager. And, you know, so I just sort of made life decisions that brought me here. Um, When I finished high school back in Brazil, I applied to college in the U.S. I went to college in Connecticut. I moved to Boston for grad school. And then during grad school, I moved a little further north to Salem. So I kind of like made my way in stages up here. That's awesome. Talk about manifesting your dreams. Yeah, totally. Well, Lori Cabot is a, we're a big fan of Lori Cabot in this house. And even my husband is a second degree um, oh. Cabot. And so, yeah, we're big, big fans oh. and love Yeah, I'm a so third much. degree Cabot witch. Um, so, you know, I did come and study with her. <laughs> it's fantastic. So cool. Gosh, this is what I'm going to have to uh, do a little research on this afterwards. Oh, yes. Very excited yeah, to learn more. Gosh. We have a we have a big painting of the crystal wheel. So Lori Cabot, for everyone who doesn't know, Lori Cabot is um, really was really big, especially in the seventies, and she became sort of this phenomenon where this image of like uh, she uh, was a big image in sort of breaking through the. Um, the stereotype of what a witch is and did a lot of work just by being in the public sphere and on television of D um, sort of taking this, the stigma away from witchcraft and saying, I'm a real person. I'm a real witch and I'm not an evil person. I'm not evil. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she was on all of the talk shows in the seventies and the eighties and taking her, her attempt to take away the sensationalization of these images of the witch from Halloween and instead showing that like, she's a real person. Now, 
I say that, but also Lori Cabot is a little bit of a sensationalized person herself with her black robes and her like cool hair and her like she's pretty and her she's big a, giant spiral tattoo on her cheek. Ooh, yeah. Right. But you know, she she became a witch publicly when it was still illegal to practice witchcraft. So she was really paving the way. Wow. And she was, you know, a single mother with two daughters just trying to figure out how she was going to provide for her kids. And so she, you know, that's what she ended up doing. And you know, when you think about this back in the 60s, that was a lot scarier than now. And especially if we think that we're like two generations away from women even being able to like have bank accounts without a man to sign for it. So, you know, like when you think about how close to all that it was, she really did some really amazing things as far as putting herself out there. Yeah, brave and courageous for sure. Wow. So then magic came first into your life? Uh, well, so honestly, sort of both things. I was always a really crafty child. You know, I was always painting, doing something, making something. Uh, you know, I haven't done just fiber arts. Like I've done oil painting. I've done illustration. Um, and I grew up with an aunt who is an astrologer and a tarot reader. So that was around as well. So I sort of don't remember those things ever not being around. You know, I was I was eight years old when I started crocheting and trying to learn how to knit. And it was at that same age that I got my first tarot deck as well, because I didn't even know what it was, but my aunt said, I read tarot. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I want one. Give me one. (laughs) You like it. I'll take it. Yeah. And so, um, so my aunt told my mom, like, yes, you can buy her one, but make it a small deck. I don't know why, but you know, it was like a little (laughs) mini deck. I still have it. And we were living in Germany at the time. So it's like, it's a German version of the Rider Waite. That's like tiny. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. Wow. That's amazing. I'm always so envious of people who have um, like a magical upbringing where it was normalized, you know? Well, so yes and no, because the funny thing is my, you know, my family is actually Catholic. um, And so my aunt still considers herself Catholic and considers herself a Catholic witch. And but she, you know, she does tarot, she does astrology, but she doesn't sort of cross the religious line, you know, so to say, but for me, you know, I made an active decision to embrace this as my spirituality. So I, you know, I don't consider myself Catholic anymore. And that's definitely a point of contention, even though we kind of, you know, meet in the middle with the tarot. Yeah. It's funny how that ends up working somehow. Yeah. Anna, can I ask, how is it, how did Lori Cabot inspire you? Like, what was it about her? Like, walk us through a little bit of that journey of like, you. how did you see her in Brazil? And what was it that inspired you? Well, so, you know, even though I grew up with tarot and astrology, I didn't have a ton of information outside of, you know, Christianity as far as what your options are uh, for how you pursue spirituality. And I... Uh, very early on in my life became very frustrated at the idea that you know women couldn't be clergy and that there was kind of a limit to what you could do in ritual space because I loved ritual. You know, I wanted to be an altar girl and I wanted to wear a robe and I wanted to ring the big fancy bell that we have. And like, you know, I wanted to do that. Like the ritual really fascinated me. And just even as a kid, the idea that women couldn't be sacred and that women were lesser than, I was just like, I don't know about that. You know, and so I, you know, when I started getting more into tarot and and all those things, like I learned about chakras. So then I started doing chakra meditations and doing this and doing that. And 
you know, if resources were limited as far as, as media in the U.S., in Brazil, there was even less, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like every bookstore that I walked in, I'd find like the tiny occult section and be like, hey, what is it? Like, what am I going to buy today? So I just studied everything that I could. And, um, you know, Lori's book, I actually I still have the, the original copy from Brazil. She signed it for me eventually, which, you know, made it <laughs> uh, more special. But like, you know, I found that in the bookstore. And the cover was purple, which is my favorite color. So I was already like, ooh. And it's, you know, it says power of the witch on it. So like, how do you not, you know, like you're like a 16-year-old girl, like trying to find your spirituality. And it's like purple book that says power of the witch. Like, of course I want that. Yes. Right. Right in. <laughs> and, totally. um, but also just, you know, her story of living in Salem openly as a witch and deciding that she could be who she wanted to be. That was really appealing to me. And so coming to Salem always sort of felt like a journey to get to a place where I could just be me. You know, that's really what was appealing. Wow. So she represented what to you? She represented power, obviously the book, right? Yeah, Power, independence, like freedom to be yourself and to like feel empowered as a woman to really kind of, you know, get away from a culture that, was oppressive to women in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know, obviously I have a complicated history with Catholicism and sexism and whatnot, but growing up in South America, South American culture is also very heavily sexist still. There's a lot of machismo. And so, uh, you know, there was the appeal of getting out of a culture that was not supporting me the way that I needed to, but also sort of getting away from the religious constraints that I had. And so it was just sort of like, you know, that's the freedom. I can go to Salem and I can be a witch and I can do whatever I want. Like that was, you know, and seeing, you know, seeing Lori doing that here sort of gave me a place to go like, well, if she already did it there, then when I go, like, you know, it's going to be a little bit easier because she's Mm. already kind of paved that path. Yeah. Nice. Are you finding, are you finding yourself able to do that? How, how are you finding that you've, in, what are some of the ways in which you feel like you're achieving some of that? Well, so the interesting thing is that I know that one of the things that you folks want to talk about was, um, you know, what did I think about creating a business that brought together knitting and magic stuff? Like how did I think that would be a successful business? And honestly, like, no, I didn't go into it thinking that's what I was going to do. Um, you know, the funny thing is that people talk to me and they go, oh, your brand, your vision. And I'm like, I am making it up as I go along. Like there was never... There was never like a great big plan, you know? Um, I used to work as an architect and I was not happy and and I wanted to work for myself. And I um, used to knit to like de-stress and then I just had too many things. I started selling them. And then I realized I'm really bad at selling finished pieces. Like I'm not into fashion. So I can't be like, this cowl will transform your life. Like I can't, you know, like that's not my thing. And so I was like, but I understand people who like knitting. So I started writing knitting patterns Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then I started dyeing yarn. And so, you know, it just sort of turned into a thing where I realized like, well, this is what I want to do full time. And so I left architecture. I opened my shop. But the interesting thing in Salem is that I feel like there's very much a divide between sort of like old Salem and new Salem in a way. Like there are people who have lived here a long time. You know, the, the townies, unfortunately, they've lived here a long time and they don't necessarily like the way that Salem has grown and changed. And then there is a very vibrant community of, you know, like younger folks who are 
you know, who are into witchcraft and came to Salem for that. And there's a very, very welcoming community in that sense, but they're sort of like at odds a little bit, like we occupy the same space and it's not always perfect. And the thing is I opened a knitting store. So I was like, all right. And, you know, I, I was opening a knitting store already knowing some local knitters and they were not witches. And so I was like, all right, I kind of need to make a decision about where, what side of the fence I'm going to fall on. Am I going to be a air quote normal person or am I going to be a witch? And so I just opened a knitting store. Like there was like there was nothing there about it that was witchier. And then I realized that it was really silly because every October my business would tank um, because my regulars wouldn't come out because it's packed full of tourists. But the tourists would open the door and go, oh, it's yarn, and close the door and leave, you know. Uh, I'm like, you know, some of us like yarn. Don't have to say it quite so disdainfully. They'd be like, oh, yarn, you know. <laughs> you don't sell your but, finished pieces? Bye. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, they'd be like, oh, will he sell this? And I'm like, well, it's like $400. I'm like, ah, no. you know, like, <laughs> but I just realized I was like, you know, people keep coming in here asking me where they can get tarot readings and I'm a tarot reader and I'm not offering that here. And mm. like, I just sort of realized that from a business perspective, I was missing out, but also from a personal perspective, I felt like, mm. why did I leave a corporate job to still pretend that I'm not a witch? Because I don't want to scare away people that aren't witches who are judging. And so I just kind of like let myself get publicly weirder and see what happened, you know, and the reception has been great, but there was never a point that I was like, oh, well, I want to have a witchy knitting store with this and that. I was just kind of like, well, I love tarot and I like working with independent artists. So I started by focusing on um, indie published decks so that I could bring it in as like, here's, you know, work by artists that we can bring in because I was already sort of selling handmade goods. And then it kind of went from there. I started teaching workshops that brought together um, crafting and magic. So like ritual embroidery, making spell bottles, like making like handcrafting spell dolls. So I was really trying to find the way to bridge like the handcrafts and the witchcraft. And then it just, you know, like people were, most people were okay with it. There are some people who, um, you know, sent me some very upset uh, messages with Bible verses about, you know, tarot and how they wouldn't come back. But I didn't leave a corporate job to not be me. So I just, you know, I'm just kind of doing the things that I'm passionate about and hoping that there are other people who feel the same way. Bravo. Good for you for taking the (laughs) leap. Uh, Most people will not do this. I'm sure you've heard many people say, um, I wish I could do that, which I always find funny because uh, what is so different in our two worlds that you couldn't, it's not like it's an easy choice no matter what. Right. You know, just takes the balls, sometimes literal balls of yarn to do it. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, I think super, super inspiring. A great, um, you know, much like you had a, a really good, um, you know, mentor person to look at as an example. You're, you're now a great example, I think, to a lot of people uh, oh, trying to do you. something like that, too. So I think you probably agree, right, Jim? Yeah, I mean, I'm working on that, br- mm-hmm. bridging, you know, to my sort of more mundane self with my magical self and always working on bringing those together. So it's completely inspiring to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank and you. to face and to face the backlash and be like, blessings upon you. You know, there's a yarn <laughs> shop. There's a yarn shop four miles that way. I, I do admit, I do say blessings upon you when I'm mad at someone. I'm like, mm, blessings upon you. Have a very I, blessed day. I totally do that. I bless I'm you like, so much. Yeah. I bless you so much. <laughs> the best curses on someone you don't like are, may they be blessed with success so they stay away. Yes. 
<laughs> I, I like that. that. Uh, yeah, so uh, you had mentioned you work specifically with tarot. Are there any other magical divination tools you like to work with? Or is that your mainstay? Uh, for divination specifically, tarot is where I'm like sort of comfortable. Like I've tried studying other things. I tried studying runes. I get them from a spellcrafting perspective, but they don't really speak to me like from a divination standpoint. So for that, yes, tarot is definitely my go-to. I own many, many, many decks. Oh, and now I love that. And importing I- them too in your shop. I'm sure that makes it easy to uh, expand your supply. <laughs> no, I'm like, mm, I'm going to back this Kickstarter deck, you know, at the wholesale level. Once for me, like, yeah. yeah, yeah and I love... I love your focus on the indie decks. I mean, I think that that's something that's really, um, it's very challenging for a shop owner to support indie decks. It's so much easier to just have, you know, the New Leaf. um, So New Leaf is a wholesaling for everyone listening. It's like a wholesaling book, or you can get the Wiser or the Llewellyn wholesale like book and just go through there and order what you want. When other shop owners want to do indie decks, they basically have to cultivate an individual relationship with every one of those deck creators. Mm -hmm. And it is like 150 relationships instead of like one relationship with one, you know, book with one supplier. So I just, I just want to give you props that like, that's (laughs) a ton of work. And there's very few shop owners that are willing to do that. And yet it's so important for indie deck creators to do that, for to have someone who's willing to do that. So I know what that's like on the back end. And I'm just like in awe. Oh, thank you. I mean, at this point, you know, I'm always searching. But at this point, people do email me to tell me about their decks. So I learn from some of them, you know, about some of them that way. So I guess people are starting to know that that's a thing that I do. (laughs) It's way cool. It's really marvelous, right? It's like, uh, you know, you. going out of your way to find indie dyers for yarn, right? <laughs> Similar right. circumstances in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely true with yarn as well. You know, I choose to work with smaller yarn companies. So, yeah, I don't just call up a rep and say, you know, show me everything that you have. I don't just go to KFI and just like go through their list of yarns, you know, like I'm talking to the people who make the yarns. And, mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. there's definitely a lot of, I talk to a lot of people. Now that you mention it, <laughs> that can be a lot sometimes for all of our listeners. Keep that in mind. You know, these are the types of shops to support or the shops that actually are supporting indie folks. There's a lot behind it, right? Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. And I just really appreciate it. And yeah. I see you on a, oh, I, see, I know, you. You, I know, I know what goes into it. Yes. Thank you. Know yeah, where your most people have, no idea sort of what the back end is. It's like, what do you do all day? I'm like, what don't I do all day? <laughs> oh, you mean right. you don't just knit at your shop all day long? Oh, honestly, I have to say, I have this one memory. It was during a yarn crawl a few years ago. And, you know, I'd been prepping for weeks, like not sleeping, staying up, et cetera. And then like, there was this one moment where the shop emptied out. I sat down for two seconds. I knit two stitches and a woman walks in and goes, oh, I wish I could knit for work all day. And it took like all my restraint to not just like, scream because it was like the first two stitches that I had knit in like a month and I'm like no (laughs) I always know when to say just the right thing don't they yeah people say that all the time must be so nice to knit all day I'm like must be I wouldn't must (laughs) be haven't knit any since I started this business yeah (laughs) oh my god Anna you gotta listen to our when um 
an episode or two ago, Katie and I spilled the tea on our both on our, on our businesses, like from when Katie worked, you know, in a yarn shop and me as a palm reader. And like, we're just totally gossiping about all of our most like meaningful and most like, you know, infuriating experiences. <laughs> that would be one of them. We would totally like do that with you and you add that to our story. Yes, I'll catch you on the last two minutes on your two minute break. <laughs> all right well i think now is time for a break what do you think i think that's a good idea we'll take a quick one and we'll be right back i just love my dog pancakes in fact she's the reason i designed the little blankie pattern it's a cute little throw blanket with a hint of magic that's perfect for any baby furry or not truth be told i've been known to cuddle up with little blankie myself on a few chilly nights don't tell pancakes Learn more about Little Blanky and all of my knitting patterns at lightfromlantern.com. Katie. Jim. You know, I've been hearing a lot lately from people how I'm so much more than a palm reader. So I'm cooking something up and I'm going to launch something kind of amazing. Wait a minute. Are you keeping secrets from me? Mm, Yes. Yes. And if you want to know more about it, the first place I'm going to start talking about it. Oh, it's probably your Instagram, right? (laughs) No, actually, that's the last place. It's going to be my email list. Oh, of course. I always try to give a little gift with my emails. I hate spam. I hate it when people are just asking me to buy stuff all the time. Mm. No, I want to give people a little presence in their email box, a little modern mudra they can use, a little free download they can download, a meditation. I want people to subscribe to my email list so that they get this announcement later this year with my thing that I'm making. Oh my gosh. Well, you heard it here first. Don't miss out on this awesome upcoming announcement, which you can find on Jim's email list. Hey, Jim, how can people go ahead and sign up for that email list? Go to thedivinehand.com and hit subscribe at the top in the navigation bar. It's just that easy. All right, everybody, no excuses. Get on it. And we're back. Uh, So in the second half, I'm interested to know uh, if you might have any particular stories you'd like to share that are maybe like uh, a spiritual experience that you've had a customer, maybe with a class or in a reading that you've had within the store that maybe you'd like to share? Well, one thing that I think is really interesting is that you know, a lot of people who come to Salem, they're curious about tarot, they're curious about witchcraft, like they're curious about sort of what they see as a way to have more personal power. But there's always that fear, right? There's that that fear of, oh, witchcraft is evil, witchcraft is demon worship. And, you know, even if people logically don't believe that, like the fear sort of so ingrained um, my store is actually across the street from, um, you know, a sort of more obvious witch store. And I laugh to myself watching people on um, like do the sign of the cross before walking in. And I'm like, you're walking into a store. Like, what do you think's happening? But, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that we, you know, that I offer tarot readings and I do it in an environment that feels sort of less scary, less out of people's comfort zone, mean that I have a lot of people who come to me who don't feel quite safe stepping into those spaces yet. So I help people who are maybe feeling a little nervous because I look more air quotes normal. Like I hate saying that, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I look a little more like a person that they can relate to. Like, I don't look like, you know, one of the scarier witches, which is funny because I'm one of my friends, um, Tom Peller is like, he does tour guide, like he's a tour guide and he's 
pretty well known and he definitely like he looks like a witch and so mm. he gets comments on his youtube channel like you look too scary you know so like that you know no one's afraid to talk to me and so it kind of gives people a chance to ask questions um when they might not feel welcome or, or like it's not yeah. that they're not welcome but they might not feel safe doing that somewhere else so that's been that's been really special to me. Um, I don't know that there's like a specific instance of that that I can point out, but it's just sort of been, that's been kind of the, con- like the, the overall vibe, you know, like people will come take a tarot workshop at my shop because, you know, it's bright and there's a bunch of yarn around mm-hmm. and they feel safe. It's not a shop where like the walls are all painted black and there's yeah. like herbs and things hanging from the ceiling so that they, you know, like it makes people feel just a little more familiar in my space. And so yeah. A little less overwhelming with the attack of smells and senses than uh, the more brightly lit, like you said. It's um, a little less threatening, even though it's not threatening. Right. And that's the thing, like, I hate to call it that, but I understand that that's how people are perceiving these spaces. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that I've been able to create this sort of strange, like, you know, liminal space that my shop is. It's, you mm-hmm. know, it's a sort of a weird in-between thing, but it, it helps people sort of step over that threshold that might not do it otherwise. Well, and kind of the other way too, I have to imagine it works in your favor in getting new knitters too, because they come in and see, oh wait, it's not just, I'm sorry to say this, a bunch of grandmas, you know, it's, it's also, oh, this it's younger people. And look at these cool modern things they're making and the yarns that are available, you know, right. so maybe people who are more into the magical side, or at least come in thinking they are, um, could also be interested in that and have a change of mind that way as well. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. And I've of course been really delighted to see how many people um, do love both, you know, like mm-hmm. every time that I get an online order and it's yarn and tarot together, I'm just like, yes, <laughs> you know, it's working. <laughs> I am not a knitter, right? Mm-hmm. So our combo here is me as a person who's a witch as a person who leads a coven, a lot of experience in witchcraft. And Katie, as a person who has a lot of experience, you know, as a fashion designer and as a knitter. And so we're sort of like the peanut butter and the chocolate kind of coming together. But you're already the swirl. You're already the knitter and the witch in one. And the right? swirl. <laughs> yeah, you already are. You're already the Reese's peanut butter cup. Already oh, ready, yeah, already ready. <laughs> <laughs> So I wonder about like that perspective as the the witch who's already a fiber artist to get like in one about your perspective on, you know, the shop that is knitting supplies plus magical tools, like that combo, right? Mm-hmm. Like talk to us about your perspective on that crossover. Well, I think it all makes sense because you know, obviously the name of my shop circle of stitches is a play on circle of witches, which is funny because there are people like, I'll say that offhand. And then someone who's been coming for three years went, I never noticed. I'm like, you've been coming here for three years. How did you like, really? You know? Um, but I think that it all falls under sort of this umbrella of, um, mindfulness and sort of sacred community. Right. Um, in, in, you know, in times where, spirituality was less patriarchal, um, you know, gathering spaces for women were a lot more common and there was sacred space for women. And there was intentionality around gathering with elders and passing down of information, right? Like menstrual huts and, you know, doulas. And so like there were like women used to spend time 
with different generations and sharing in that. And modern life has completely eliminated that. And so where do you get that? Knitting circles, right? That's where Mm. women sit and do that and gather. And to me, that gathering of women of multi-generations, that to me is a core part of witchcraft. And so even though people sort of don't see it, like that's not how people, like when people are coming, that's not what they're thinking. To me, that's what I'm doing. I'm kind of like, "Eh," like, you know, we're like all here sharing energy and exchanging and doing sort of that sacred gathering that, that, you know, isn't really available anymore. And so I, I really think that, you know, knitting is a vehicle for mindfulness. I think it it is absolutely sort of the perfect palette for spell work. And so I, I really do think that all these things just like make sense together, at least for me. Yeah. So is there a way, how would you, do you ever advise people on how to do magic with knitting? Is there like a, do you do a little like magic with knitting one-on-one or something like that in the shop? Um, I should, you know, know, every time, every time, (laughs) whenever we have a guest on the show, they always leave with ideas. Isn't this ridiculous? No, I actually, so I have like one spell kit that I created that was like a grounding spell and you knit a pair of socks with these cables, like inspired by tree roots. And I was going to do a whole collection, but then, you know, life Mm. happens, pandemics happen, like things like get thrown off the rails. So that's sort of always been part of the goal you know, to start sort of being more intentional about it. And the funny thing is like someone sent me an email being like, Hey, do you know of any more like knitting patterns that combine spell work? And I'm like, no, not really, but mm. you know, yeah, well, that's the goal <laughs> of my situation. Yes. <laughs> you have a little collab maybe with light from lantern. Ooh, yeah. Oh my gosh. You got those all kinds of stuff. Okay. But yeah. So that's interesting. I, this is always what I, since I'm not a knitter, but I'm always like thinking creatively about like, wow, what if you have like a cloak of invisibility mm-hmm. or like, well, I mean, you know, I worked a lot with, you know, Bridget from the Celtic Pantheon and, you know, uh, Celtic braids are a big thing, braiding in general, um, you know, you know, doing magic cords with knot work. And I'm like, well, you know, knitting is all knot work. So I sort of see it all as being a little bit ritualistically linked to Bridget. And so, you know, and it's meditative, it's repetitive. So even if you don't have a, a, you're not knitting a pattern that wasn't designed to be a spell, that's okay. Like set your intention for the project because you are spending the time with it as you're working. It doesn't have to be something developed to be a spell, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yes. We were uh, just talking a few episodes ago about how, you know, being mindful to incorporate colors that maybe you know back your certain intention or when you're casting on saying something you know particular and then doing the same binding off yeah um, I had actually made a little color guide a um, little wheel with colors and planetary associations and I hung them around my shop near the yard <laughs> there you go see so very good. smart yeah, yeah, because, you know, I, Salem being Salem, um, you can't do tarot readings without being licensed and they won't give you a tarot license unless you're witchy enough. And they came into my store being like, well, you're not really a witch store. And I was like, listen, knitting is totally witchy. And so I had to like prove to them. And so I was like, all right, I'm making planetary charts. I'm doing all this stuff to show them that there absolutely is a connection. And I spent, I kid you not, like two years fighting with them until I finally got a tarot license. Oh my God. Wow, this is just local to Salem to have a tarot license like this? Yes, because, you know, people make money off that. And then they wanted to make sure that it wasn't like, you know, just like pizza shops and whatever, just doing tarot Mm. readings. But then it kind of, I think, got a little too strict. But 
you know, where there's money, there's politics. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting. I, I also, I think about like chanting, like there's so many really great chants, you know, like doing like the goddess, a goddess chant or something as you're casting on. What a cool idea that just occurred to me now is like, oh, there's like 30, like if I'm, I'm casting on like, okay, 30, you know, stitches to cast on, like if I'm doing a scarf or something, right. That would be really cool to like actually do like a meditative, you know, chant or something right. to do if, that. If you or, think of, um, you know, like doing a rosary, you know, yeah, instead of very much. Know, rosary boot, yeah, mm-hmm. beads, it's, you know, stitches. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was raised Catholic also. So I can totally relate with, I think my Catholic heritage really helped me become a really good pagan. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, yeah, I'm on break from my podcast right now, but I have a podcast called which city, which is with my friend Becca and she's also a former Catholic and like the vast majority of our guests end up being former Catholics. So there's definitely something there it's a totally stone. (laughs) It's a gateway drug. It's very witchy. Like, it's you know it is yeah my husband my husband was not raised catholic he was raised um sort of a really a nice person protestant right but so when he went to my grandma's funeral catholic mass he was like oh my god this is so pagan and i was like this is horrible but he was like super into how pagan it was He's like the tourist, like, oh, look at this. Oh, hey, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, all the saints are like the gods. It's so cool. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, stop. Yeah. I mean, even, <laughs> um, even with, like, water, you know, we've talked about using water for, like, a blocking ritual um, or doing, like, a cre- cleansing spray afterwards or even um, doing it with the dye process at the beginning. Um, have mm-hmm. you incorporated any sort of magical making in with your dyeing at all? Um, so not with anything that I'm selling, but, you know, definitely when you're dying, you know, using, uh, you know, plants that have associations definitely makes sense. Um, actually my friend Ash Alberg is probably a better person to speak to about that. They go by sunflower knit, they're a natural dyer. They are also a witch. So they definitely would have a lot to say about that, but I definitely, I've sort of realized sort of how witchy my life is overall. Cause like, you know, I like make my own lotion. So I grate my own beeswax by hand. I'm infusing it with my own herbs. I have herbs in my garden. And so sort of everything kind of is, you know, and that's a thing that I've also worked really hard to tell, like try and tell people is that, you know, they're really like the separation between like sacred and like profane doesn't really exist. Like you can decide to live your whole life sort of, in a more sacred way or not. So, you know, like there's always these opportunities to think about why you're making the choices that you're making. Um, So like, yes, dye, you know, whatever plant, like plant is going to give you a beautiful color, but maybe be aware of what those associations are. So if you want to incorporate that intent, you can. Mm, Yeah. I love that. We talk about living a magical lifestyle that your everyday activity can be with intent that's mm-hmm. part of living a magical lifestyle. And you just said it so beautifully, Anna. I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Would this shop be successful or do you think it'd be accepted outside Salem? Or do you think that Circle of Stitch just could be anywhere? You know, it's an interesting question, but I thought it was a It cool is an interesting one. question. And I, I think that it could be anywhere if done sort of right? You know, with that, that's kind of not a helpful thing to say, but in a lot of ways, like I used to feel like it was easier to be a witch anywhere other than Salem, because in Salem, there's already so much 
expectation about what that yeah. means. But like, if I go somewhere else and I'm the first witch, like I get to make it up, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> you're I, the I Lori Cabot, you're the Lori Cabot of, of like Moscow, else, Idaho. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, right. And so, you know, like if you're going somewhere where that's not already something that exists, like you can create that, you can decide that that's what you want to offer people. Um, I mean, maybe I wouldn't do it in a like super, super, super like conservative, like religious community that might not go over so well, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's all in how you're presenting it to people because like, yes, my shop is super witchy, but when I'm creating things for, you know, to share with other people, even though for me, witchcraft is my, my religious practice, I come at it from a very non-denominational non-denominational perspective i you know try and put it together as tools for like mindfulness and meditation so that it really can be for anyone who is looking for um you know sort of growth and healing and it doesn't have to be like specific to one path so and i think that that is something that you can do anywhere you know i'm okay if people don't go off copy my shop too like that's okay yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. don't be copy unique, people be unique, <laughs> be unique. that's right yeah. inspiration not knockoff yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, even like business wise, it would probably not be the greatest idea to open up a shop in like, you know, I don't know, some country area, mainly because you probably won't have anyone interested in it and not a lot of people around. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. Like don't open it in a town with like 20 people and they all go to like the one church in town. Like that's. Not yeah. You know, be smart. Yeah. Build yourself up <laughs> yeah. for success, at least in some way. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, we were just in a little tiny mining town. Uh, my husband's hometown in Western Pennsylvania. And there is a metaphysical, actually a witch shop, specifically gothy black walls, witch shop. And it is working. And the witch shop that opened like 45 minutes away in the other little town is not working because the people who are very conservative religious have chased them out like several times. The people who've tried to open like a more of a mm. like rainbow crystal shop have been run out by the conservatives. But this one is like a hardcore witch shop and they're kind of associated with like Maybe the they're ghosts. so scary that they, like the people don't bother chasing them away because it's like, oh, okay, well. Yeah. I think <laughs> we don't because <laughs> they're kind of like, they're kind of associated with the ghost tour people and the paranormal folks. Okay. And they've hooked into like the motorcycle riding type mm. of people. So there's something that they've somehow have a niche that they're holding on to. It's just interesting how in some places it can work and in other places it can't. Yeah. And for I mean, reasons we don't always understand. Yeah. There's one in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire that I didn't think was going to succeed a witch shop. And it seems to be doing, be doing well because New Hampshire is surprisingly, um, not as liberal as I expected when I moved up here. But. Right. Yeah, like Christopher Penzak's Temple of Witchcraft is in New Hampshire. Oh, yeah, I know Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of interesting, right? So, hmm. I mean, it's basically he's in a suburb of Boston, but it's just over the border in New Hampshire. So. Yeah, yeah, he and I have crossed paths a few times because of Laurie Cabot. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone should go to circleofstitches.com yes. and buy everything. That's what I, that's my recommendation that's right. is one that of all the things, Sign one of all the class. things yes. Sign up for every, yeah. So are you teaching classes online? Yes. Uh, you know, we developed like a full online programming, um, 
because of COVID, I had always wanted to do it. And that really pushed me to do it. And I'm going to keep doing it. So I teach knitting and tarot online. And I'm definitely going to continue doing that. And um, I did want to tell you folks also about our Fiber Witch boxes, uh, which is a collection that I started uh, for Samhain last year, where um, like I curate a box that has like an exclusive hand-dyed yarn and sort of other goodies built around like whatever the festival is. So we've done, we did Samhain, we did Winter Solstice, um, we did um, Spring Equinox, what else? We've done, I think like five of them so far. So the next one will be Samhain of this year. And so like, it's always, it always comes with like a spell and like a bunch of, you know, at least a spell hand-dyed yarn and then sort of other things that have been made especially for it. Like we did one for Litha where we had, um, it, it was inspired by Festival of Roses, you know, for Litha. So we had the custom hand-dyed yarn and then my friend Rochelle designed this like rose inspired fabric and hand sewed bags for it. And then I had like needle gauges with like the matching pattern. So like they're like just these really mm. cute sort of witchy like box sets that I just like pour my heart into, so. What? that Katie, did you know about those? I uh, just heard about this new one that was coming out, but I didn't realize you had so many in the past. That is uh, awesome. I think Katie is about to buy those. I'm like, look at her face. Excitement. I know. I know. <laughs> what a great idea. That and is so amazing. Much fun, uh, custom items in there, too. That's so great. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Like, I just, you know, I thought of them for someone last year just as like, maybe people want a little taste of Salem. And then people liked it. So I kept doing it. And then I started like offering a few more of them. And so far, like, you know, people are happy. So Ooh, well, you know, support her more and perhaps we'll get even more offerings. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. I love I love this box idea. I think that that is such a great, like a little it's just so perfect. It's like mm-hmm. you don't have to think about it. You just get little awesome projects, something to do in there aligned with the Sabbath, aligned with the festival of the season. Mm-hmm. That really gets you in that mood, in that energy. Mm-hmm. That is fabulous. What a genius idea. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Jim said, you can find out more at circleofstitches.com. And it looks like you guys are also on like all the social medias, including Instagram. So make yeah. sure you go and follow them as well. Oh, Anna, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for coming on to Knit a Spell. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been so fun chatting with you both. Yay. You are genius. It is so cool. I just... I can't wait when we go to Salem to see you in person. We yes. are just going to have a blast. One yes, at, at some point. Yes, I can't wait to visit. Yeah, we'll make a special trip. It'll be great. <laughs> Yay! Awesome! All right, Jim. Well, as always, you can find out more about Knit a Spell at knitaspell.com. And you can follow us along on Instagram as well. And if you're interested in learning more about my awesome co-host, James Divine, you can do so at thedivinehand.com or follow him on Instagram at divinehandjim. And of course, <laughs> Light from Lantern is where Katie hangs out. She has amazing patterns that you can knit, you know, because that's what you do with a pattern for knitting is you knit it. Sign up for her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. Pretty brilliant. Oh, thanks everybody. Well, thank you again, Anna and Jim. And as always, we'll see you all next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank Thank you, you. Anna. Bye. This episode is a wrap. If you enjoyed what you heard, go ahead and follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. And don't forget, you can see full video episodes of Knit a Spell on Light from Lantern's YouTube channel.